0: Welcome to Chamber Chats, the Halifax Chamber's new podcast where we check in with the local business community, ask government the tough questions, and find ways to save your business money. For the foreseeable future, we're focusing on COVID-19 and the economic impact we're facing, along with available resources and tales of resiliency. Coming to you from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada.
1: Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the new Halifax Chambers podcast, Chamber Chats. I'm Patrick Sullivan, President and CEO of the Halifax Chamber of Commerce and your host for today. Chamber Chats is a new way to engage with our members and keep them up to date on the important things happening in our community and in and around Nova Scotia. And today we're talking to Scott Moffat, the Executive Director of BioNova, the organization that leads Nova Scotia's health and life sciences sector. Scott is a senior management professional with over 20 years of life science experience in industry, government, and not-for-profit sectors. By leveraging his leadership and management abilities, Scott has built solid relationships and delivered significant results in each position he's held. Having returned to his home province a few years ago, Scott is now focused on making Nova Scotia a better place. Welcome Scott, and thanks for joining us today. Well, thank
0: you, Patrick. I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, being part of the podcast. Uh, Chamber chats is a is a great idea.
1: Yeah, it is. I, I have a feeling it was a Saturday Night Live skit a few years ago, but I'm hoping that's not the case, Scott. So uh, we'll we'll just stick we'll stick with the name for a while. Uh, so it's certainly been a busy few months for you folks at BioNova and the life sciences industry as a whole as the as the pandemic started. Uh, in, uh, well, I, I mean, it started quite a while ago, but as it reached, I suppose, our shores uh, in, uh, in February and then in March uh, more fully, um, there's been significant changes uh, right across the country and ultimately around the world. But let's talk about the term life sciences for a minute. Can you describe the sector a little bit for us and tell our listeners about the sector here in Halifax?
0: Sure, sure. Um, you know, Life sciences is, is a pretty generic term with you know, typically that just references anything, uh, any, any sort of the sciences that have to do with living things. Uh, but the sector here, the health and life sciences sector in Halifax and Nova Scotia is predominantly, uh, made up of five different areas that we have specialization in, and that would be medical technologies. So, you know, everything from an MRI machine to, uh, hip implant to a Band-Aid is classified as a medical device. So there's a whole medical technology area that includes, you know, in vitro diagnostic devices. So, you you know, like you go and get a throat swab and uh, all those things are, you know, or, or in today's realm, you go and get the nasal swab for the COVID test and the COVID test is a medical device and so is the swab. But then we have pharmaceuticals and vaccines. So, you know, classic therapeutics that are intended to treat disease, vaccines to uh, hopefully prevent. We have natural health products, which are natural ingredients that have some sort of a medical um, benefit. And in Canada, those all need to be verified by Health Canada. And then we have digital health, which is that interplay between health-related issue and digital-related solution. So you can think of a you know, a complicated Fitbit that will monitor your cardiac rhythm and your output and your blood pressure and your blood glucose levels and things like that. You know, remote patient monitoring, those would all fall into that digital health category. And then the final one that we have here is around bio resources. So what are those high value components that we can get from a biological resource that we can then go through a value add step and sell those products? So for example. You know, lobster shells, there are components within lobster shells that can feed into the general manufacturing industry or can go into pharmaceutical manufacturing. So there's all kinds of uh, opportunities there around, you know, the resources that we have. So that kind of um, breaks down what the sector looks like here in Halifax in terms of the areas. Um, and uh, yeah, it's 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 a very fast growing growing area and very exciting times. And certainly, the whole COVID nineteen experience has uh, has made that more prevalent than ever.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you and I talked in in March, um, right after the provincial government was issuing calls for pandemic supplies and services. Um, and clearly, BioNova and your industry answered that call. Um, can you tell us about those first few weeks in March and, and how BioNova played a role in, in getting? Some of that, uh, some of those supplies, pandemic supplies, services, PPEs, or I suppose some of the other items that you would have talked about.
0: Yeah, certainly. You know, the the, the first thing um, that we tried to do was uh, was help in the immediate supply chain through the Nova Scotia Health Authority and the IWK, and that uh, essentially meant us tapping into our networks of not only our members in Nova Scotia. So we asked all members in Nova Scotia to evaluate what their PPE needs would be and, and you know, what could they supply to the health authorities. The second phase of that in, in the early days was reaching out to um, contacts at a national level, so some of those larger companies and suppliers to try and get those folks into the supply chain within the health authorities. Uh, because you know they, they, obviously the health authority wasn't working with every company out there, and we just simply tried to fill
1: that gap through our our networks so that they could find supplies from other companies. Right. Wow. So how how many uh, I mean, was it a kind of a direct relationship where you said, I don't know, and I'm thinking of some of the big health providers that are in, in Ontario and then may come out of the United States. I mean, did you link them up with those groups because you knew them or uh, or was it, you know, that you were helping to actually develop some of that equipment?
0: Yeah, in, in, the, in the very early days, it was just the direct linkages with specific companies that had availability or could manufacture or, you know, I'm talking things like procedural masks and, and N95s and gowns and, and some of those things that they needed immediately, face shields. So that was just a direct connection to the company. And then that was the initial phase. And then from then on, then we started looking at using our our networks with uh, you know MedTech Canada and Innovative Medicines Canada to see what they could do to supply the chain, the supply chain as well. Because it wasn't only the PPE, you know that's that was related to COVID nineteen, but there was still the regular healthcare system to manage. Uh, and obviously, in such a time of change, uh, there were a lot of challenges there getting you know regular everyday products as well.
1: Yeah, it, I mean, are we? Are we out of the woods yet in Nova Scotia? Did Nova Scotia experience any large shortages? And I mean, how does that compare to to other provinces?
0: Yeah, I mean, certainly we did. You know, we were very fortunate in the sense that we didn't have a large number of cases. Uh, When you look at Quebec and Ontario, they're in a bit of a different situation. So locally, you know, we were able to... Um, you know, scurry around and find the necessary supplies to build those stockpiles up before something hit. The biggest deficit area would have been around ventilators, um, just because of the complexity of manufacturing and approvals and so on. The only real short-term solution for that was to ramp up production from companies like Medtronic uh, and, and ResMed. So that we are very fortunate that we didn't get a large number of cases because we would have been in a a very difficult situation very quickly. Um, if, if memory serves, you know, we only had 250 or 300 ventilators in the entire province. So one person, one ventilator, uh, you get more than that. And, you know, people
1: are going to have a a, a more difficult outcome. Yeah, absolutely. Now, are we out of the woods? I mean, or will those, Will the shortages continue? And, and do you think we're prepared for a potential second wave at some point in the future?
0: We're much better prepared for a second wave than, than, than the first wave. You know, stockpiles are there. Orders for ventilators and those kinds of things were, were placed. Um, so we're, we're in a better situation. But the most critical thing is going to be limiting spread, uh, you know, of round two. You know, the, predict, the, the prediction is September. So we are just going to have to be very diligent so that we don't need those. You know, the best the best solution here is prevention overall. So we are in a better situation. But if things go sideways really bad, then we're, we're going
1: to be in
0: a world of hurt relatively quickly.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, you've got members who are already in clinical trials like IMV or APILI that are, that are working on cl- clinical trials for treatments um, for COVID-19. We know that IMD is scheduled to begin human trials this summer here in Halifax for a vaccine they're developing. Can you walk us through the, uh, the process of creating a vaccine? Sure. I'll, um, I'll try and give
0: you the simplified version, um, the, the non-PhD version, if you will. Um, so that the biggest thing with vaccine is obviously it, it's meant to be a preventative. And what a vaccine typically does is take advantage of your or your own immune system to build up immunity. So, what needs to happen for that to take place is the vaccine that's under development needs to figure out what is the target. Is that going to be, you know, a surface protein that's on the virus? Is that going to be part of the DNA or the RNA or some component of the virus? So once they pick a target, then they will go down the road and figure out um, research and development to to build this vaccine. They'll test in the lab. And when they start and see positive results in the lab, they will then have a, a potential candidate. That candidate vaccine will then go through a number of checks and balances to make sure that, number one, it's safe. And number two, it's efficacious. It's going to do what it's supposed to do. So at the first, you know, it's called preclinical work. Uh, basically, you take the vaccine candidate and you use mouse models uh, to make sure that the vaccine is safe. Um, once that data, and you can also test to see whether or not it, it, it works to a degree. If that stuff all goes really well, you will go into like a first in human or a phase one clinical trial. Um, and you take a very small subset of people and again, test for safety. And they'll do some monitoring of to see whether or not it's working, but the primary uh, need to do that is safety. Phase two, you'll get a larger population, uh, a larger number of people. Again, you're going to test for safety and efficacy, make sure that it's working. And if that data looks really good, then you're going to go to a much larger trial. It could be thousands of people, depending on the situation. And what that is intended to do is, again, verify the safety, but really check out the population to see how well um, the vaccine is. Um, so once it goes through that, that's, that chain, then you've got to get regulatory approval. That would come directly from Health Canada. And then it can actually be set up to be manufactured. So then you would have to figure out your manufacturing plans and then figure out what you're going to do to distribute and monitor that vaccine after it hits the marketplace. Because long-term monitoring is, uh, is one of the requirements from a Health Canada perspective. So it's quite a complex procedure. It takes a fair amount of time and it certainly takes a uh, uh, an incredibly large amount of money. So you'll see, you know, today, that's why a lot of vaccines that were being produced for the Ebola virus or something else, that's why those are being looked at to be repurposed. Because uh, obviously a lot of that work has been done already. So it's a, it's a fairly complex process to make a vaccine.
1: So, and, and obviously time, uh, it, it takes considerable time to do this. This doesn't sound like something that's gonna be done next month, So I guess the idea uh, of having a vaccine in the next few months is probably uh, a little too optimistic. I mean, is this a next year thing or a year after that thing? Or what do you think?
0: Yeah, I I think, yeah, in the next few months, not going to happen. Realistically, we're looking at, you know, being super optimistic, you know, 12 to 18 months, probably 18 months uh, or potentially a little bit more. But I think, you know, the, the most common number being thrown around, around
1: right now is 18 months. Right. Well, I, I, you know, but I, I do think and we, I talked a moment ago or we talked a moment ago about, you know, second wave. Um, the, you know, the fact that we're executing this physical distancing now um, and did manage to flatten the curve and, and all of those kinds of things, you know, would leave me optimistic uh, that, uh, you know, we're not going to need mass vaccines in a, in a really quick period of time, as, as great as that would be. Uh, but we need to maintain the physical distancing and all of the things that we're doing. Um, just to jump jump ahead, and you kind of mentioned this. I mean, you mentioned ventilators. Um, you had a team, the Skunkworks team, which was a group that came together um, to support companies that had solutions to support healthcare in Nova Scotia during COVID nineteen. One of the projects was a ventilator project with protocase, Ingenuity, Advanced Glazings, and Nova Scotia Power's Marker or Maker Space, I guess. Can you tell us about that? How did the group get started, and and where is that project now?
0: Yeah, certainly. Um, Yeah, the the Skunk Works uh, team—you know—to use that term from World War II. You know, the the intent of that was to. There were there a bunch of companies and individuals that wanted to do something and had everything from design capabilities to manufacturing capabilities to engineering capabilities, Um, and they all wanted to do something. So under the banner of ingenuity who have had acted as the, you know, the herder of the cats or, or, or kind of that, the leadership around that basically coalesced that group, you know, of which we were a part. Um, Alcoa is a part, the province is a part, um, various companies, Nova Scotia health authority, the IWK. So in, in the very, very early days, yeah, you know, we were throwing around ideas of, you know, what can we make? And that morphed into how do we very quickly be able to respond to the identified needs of the Nova Scotia Health Authority and the IWK? So that meant that that group then started working on local gown production, um, surgical mask production, N95 production. Um, what can we do in, the, in terms of testing and, and swabs? Um, how do we pivot with a with a um, CPAP device for a potential ventilator application. Can we actually build and manufacture a ventilator here? So, you know, hand sanitizer production. So that group started looking at those areas, trying to figure out who can do what. What are the regulatory challenges that we need to overcome? Do we need to build supply chains? Do we need to build local long term manufacturing capabilities? So that Group jumped on that, and so now there are, you know, gowns being produced in Nova Scotia. You know, BioNova as part of that team, you know, did the regulatory reviews for you know BBI Group, for Mackenzie Atlantic, for United Sign. You know, reviewed the Stanfield's application, and and there's others. So it really brought together a group with some expertise to be able to uh, very quickly respond to. The urgent needs of healthcare. And so today, that group is continuing, um, looking a little bit more long term at this, this point to see what we can do to set up local manufacturing, what is feasible, what is realistic, so that we don't end up in this situation again. You know, the shortages around N95s, that has really created uh, a large issue. You know, not only that we can't buy any. We can't even buy the materials to make them. So there's going to have to be some alternate solutions
1: put around that. And that's what this group is doing now. Right. Oh, that's great. That's great. So they have other projects, obviously, more than just the ventilator that they're working on.
0: Yes, absolutely. The ventilators is just one part. You know, the gown manufacturing is going to continue. Face shield is going to continue. Um, Look, looking at the potential to manufacture uh, swabs there is a, a national and a global
1: shortage around those nasal swabs for doing testing. Right. Wow. So, I mean, as, as part of the testing, um, you know, one of the, uh, one of the companies, uh, Sona Nanotech, was uh, submitted the fastest COVID-19 test kit to Health Canada. Was this, I mean, I, I don't suppose they were working on uh, a test kit for, uh, for COVID-19 a year ago. Uh, but uh, was this part of their usual business model, or did they see an opportunity to kind of jump in uh, and, uh, and get to work quickly using the materials they had at hand?
0: Yeah, this really speaks to the, the capabilities of platform technologies. You know, that the product that they had uh, was simply pivoted over towards, you know, what's the, what's the problem today? And that's COVID 19. And so they were in a very fortunate situation where they had an awesome platform technology. Now we have a new problem. Let's just pivot over and start looking at that. And it worked out extremely well. So, Sona Nanotech has done, a, done an
1: incredible job, you know, with that uh, detection kit. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's awesome. That's amazing. So, uh, you probably know, I think the Halifax Chamber uh, is leading the Nova Scotia Business and Labor Economic Coalition, uh, which we affectionately refer to as NS Black. Um, to be the first point of contact with with government through this pandemic, and to get information to the business community as soon as possible. Our our greatest strength with this group, because there's over 200 people, you know, we're doing over 100 people on a call, is collaboration, and we're really seeing that in the life sciences sector with the ventilator, um, with spring loaded technology. Uh, Chris recently joined our board, actually, from Spring Loaded Ring Rescue. Ingenuity's work on their face shields and other PPE. Is this level of collaboration typical in, uh, in the, the life sciences sector? Uh, and do you hope to see more of these kinds of projects once the, once the pandemic passes?
0: Uh, yes, yes, it is. And, and, and first and foremost, the, the Nova Scotia um, Business and Labor Economic Coalition that, that you've organized from the chamber has been a very um, important piece of information an easy way to get a hold of government officials and, and a great conduit. So, you know, you should be congratulated on that. It's been a wonderful tool and I'm, I'm obviously part of those calls. But from the collaboration perspective, absolutely. Uh, you know, we're, we, we have a great sector and we're fortunate in that we do not have any two companies that are in a competitive situation. So, you know, they all have to go through the same regulatory hurdles and the paths to market and, And things like that. So the the companies tend to talk to each other a fair bit, uh, collaborate, coordinate, share information. So the the collaboration aspect has been there for you know quite quite some time. You know, I think another part of that is that there's a slightly higher or or an increased willingness to help because most of these companies are involved in the health sector, and their primary goal is to improve patient health. Patient outcomes. So if there, there are things that they can do to accentuate that activity, then, then they tend to do it. I mean, a lot of companies are started by founders that run into a medical challenge that they can't solve with, with whatever is existing. So they come up with these solutions on, on their own. And I, I think it's absolutely critical for this collaboration to continue You know, we all understand that the silo model does not work very well. So this collaboration piece has to continue if we are going to capitalize on efficiency. You know, we can't all be trying to do the same thing. We all need to share information. So collaboration is critical, you know, not only around COVID-19, but, you know, and not only just for our sector, but for the future of Nova Scotia in general.
1: Well, it's interesting you bring that up. I I was speaking to uh Mahmud of uh, Solid State Pharma. Um now this was a few months ago. Um I I remember we uh, I went down toured his facility. Um I I'm sure they are a member. they remember Solid State Pharma. Uh and uh, toured their facility. It was an amazing facility. We went to lunch, back when you could go to lunch with people. Uh and uh, uh just I mean he was saying that the you know the opportunity for life sciences in Nova Scotia is so significant with the universities uh with the support uh, of of government um and obviously with the collaboration you're talking about uh to to grow i mean is there i mean do you maybe i'm asking uh, a biased question for you but do you feel there's a real opportunity for for life sciences to grow in Nova Scotia
0: uh, absolutely. And, you know, M- M- Mahmood is absolutely correct as well. Yeah. And then, you know, Salt State Pharma, they're a member of Bionova and M- Mahmood's actually one of my directors on, on the board. When you start and look at the landscape that we have in Nova Scotia and evaluate all the resources, you know, from capital infrastructure, you've got Dalhousie, you've got a medical school, you've got a, two teaching hospitals. You've got a pediatric hospital system and an adult hospital system. You've got research capabilities from the NRC. You've got great support in this part of the world with the combination of, the, of NRC IRAP and ACOA. So we have a, a great opportunity here. The amount of research that's being done at Dow in this sector accounts for about 75% of the total research being done. So we have an incredible opportunity. In, actually bionova has issued re- recently a an economic development uh, plan for the sector over the next few years where called biofuture 2030 where we want to see the number of companies double exports triple employment triple and bring our income levels up to be a little bit more uh, on par with the national averages so we see great opportunities for this this area That's well, well, very well recognized when companies go abroad. And it's also well recognized by individuals when they come here. And even if you've been tracking the levels of investment in our sector. um, We were leading, you know, Nova Scotia over the last five years is is our sector in terms of the amount of investment attracted. So we see uh, great possibilities, Um, you know, especially folks that are working in this sector you know, the, the average income in our sector is around $65,000, $66,000, which is significantly above the provincial average. So it's a high-value sector, and we're producing great products that are going to benefit patients and Nova Scotians.
1: Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's amazing. That, and uh, obviously, that confirms what uh, what Mahmoud, uh, you know, mentioned to me uh, just a few short months ago. And I must admit I I was so impressed I uh next time I saw a couple of the folks from government I I talked about the uh, the innovation area uh downtown and and Volta uh which is you know a little more focused on the technology side but uh but wondered out loud with the uh with the government folks you know why there wasn't a greater focus on life sciences and maybe I think what I'm hearing from you is maybe I'm just unaware and maybe many of our listeners are unaware of the focus that's already there for life sciences in Nova Scotia
0: Yeah, there is great focus. You know, certainly the federal government has been very uh, supportive, and you know, you know, BioNova as an organization, even before my time, is doing a lot of work to focus on the sector. You know, certainly from the provincial perspective, you know, we've been put back on, on on the map as a as a priority sector area for the province. But I think that there is more that we can do from a provincial aspect to make sure that you know we are. And this goes back to the Ivany Report to make sure that we are getting research out of universities and make sure that it's being commercialized. I mean, that's one of the major, major areas of the Ivany Report that is not working very well. So I think we can certainly continue to shine the light on it. And frankly, you know, a bit of a, a bright side from the COVID-19 experience is I think it's very clearly demonstrated the value that, that, that this sector can bring not only to the province, but to patients and everyday Nova
1: Scotians and Canadians. Yeah, absolutely. So we're now at the point where we're seeing no new cases uh, in many provinces in the Maritimes. Let's hope that continues. But what's Bionova's next focus for the coming months? Or, or do you have another focus? Or will it be to continue um, with slightly more focus, I suppose, on health uh, than maybe there was in the, uh, in the past? But for what is the next focus for Bionova?
0: Yeah, for us, obviously, you know, we're going to keep involved with the the Skunk Works activity, but that's going to, you know, as uh, other supply chains get corrected and so on, I think that's going to become less and less of an issue. Our main focus right now is to, you know, get back to our core function. Um, Now, that has been skewed a little bit uh, in light of COVID-19. So right now, we are pivoting a little bit in terms of our programming to be able to focus on recovery and restart programs. You know, obviously a lot of companies that weren't focused on COVID-19, you know, have been kind of, you know, just moving along, but we're in the situation now where those companies need to get back to normal quickly. So we're coming up with a bunch of new programs, um, you know, coaching and mentoring programs, early stage R&D programs, you know, programs so that companies can now operate in the new normal, which is going to be virtual. So, what kind of tools do they need in terms of electronic formats? You know, we're even looking at secure electronic platforms where companies can meet and talk and transfer information around the world, but still be you know safe from a from a from an electronics perspective. You know, things that are that PIPEDA compliant and things like that. So. Right now, we are totally pivoting towards the recovery, again, under the banner of BioFuture 2030, to make sure that we're going to meet those, those goals down the road. Wow, that's great.
1: Well, thanks, Scott. Thank you very much for uh, jumping on the podcast today. Um, I think my, my favorite part of the job is learning about all the amazing things happening in Halifax. And, and obviously, life sciences is, is certainly deserving of the spotlight right now. So let's keep those conversations going and we'll check in with you later this year to see how the sector continues to, uh, to thrive. So thank you very much, Scott, for joining me today. And thanks to, uh, sorry, I'll, le- I'll let you say something here, Scott. You, you took a breath. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, so no, I know. I was just going to say, yeah, thank you, uh, Patrick. This has been uh, been great. That's great. Well, appreciate it. And thank you very much, everyone. And bye-bye from the uh, Halifax Chamber.
0: Tune in next time at halifaxchamber.com slash podcast. The Halifax Chamber is in your corner.